All right. So I am here today with my lovely husband, and he is going to be telling his, don't be touching up on me. He's going to be telling his testimony today, and it's going to be great. It's I'm probably going to do glorious. this most of the interview. Yeah. That's that nice. Got, your, got your skin out, you know, in front of me. So. <laughs> All right, babe. You ready? I'm here. So, you nervous? Uh, um, I don't think I have that option. You, know. you could be nervous. No, nah, it's okay. All right, honey, how long have you been saved now? I got baptized in 2017. Were you saved when you got baptized? No. Mm, interesting. I, I say baptized because uh, the heart transaction didn't occur. Well, the heart trans I said I'm wrong. The heart transaction occurred. I had a desire for Jesus. Um, you know, I, I had a conviction of my own sin. Um, and I wanted to be, I wanted to be in heaven with Jesus, but, um, the spirit transaction, I wasn't a new man yet. Mm. That's a good, that's the perfect one. I wasn't a new man yet. It wasn't a new creation. So. Okay. Interesting. We're going to get to that part, okay. but <clears throat> wind a little bit. Can you tell us what life before Jesus looked like? Life before Jesus. Um, I mean, you know, childhood was cool. I got, I got, you know, I was, I grew up an only child for about nine years. So I got mostly everything that uh, I wanted or needed. You know, my parents did a great job of supplying every need and want for me. Yes, they did. <laughs> Even to a fault, you know, I, I did, I was very spoiled, you know. Everybody knew it, you know, it's cool, you know. <laughs> um, on uh, my mom's side of the family, there aren't, aren't many males. So, you know, I, I was catered to, right? Um uh, I, I was very arrogant, very prideful child, young adult, teenager. That was, you know, it came with what I perceived as uh, inheritance. You know, my father played college basketball. He was pretty good. You know, we got to go to the college basketball games. I'm named after my dad. You know, I have a great name. Mm-hmm. He has a great name on earth. So, you know, I inherit, inherited that. So, um. I just assumed in my child mind that, you know, I, I get all that. Whatever, whatever he got, I get that, right? And then, uh, you know, it doesn't work like that. You, know, you have to actually have to work for something. Yeah. So I was prideful, and I had no reason to be. Um, I did absolutely nothing to deserve any ounce of respect or honor, but, you know, that's, I, I was very arrogant. Um, so you fast forward, I, I carry myself... Throughout my entire life, whether it was child, teenager, young adult, as an arrogant, prideful person, I really didn't um, have a consideration for people. Um, you know, certain sex of people, sure, certain different people, I should say. But in terms of like people in general, I just I didn't even. It wasn't like I disregarded them. I just never considered them. Right. Mm. Um. So to fully answer your question, um, in retrospect, life was pretty uh, desolate. Wasn't yeah. yeah, I wasn't I didn't have joy, you know. Just I thought I was somebody that I wasn't. Even in like high school and like so we met at the Boys and Girls Club mm-hmm. when he was like twelve. Yeah. And I think that I think that from from the time that I first met you mm-hmm. or, you know, saw you or like knew about you to before you met Christ, I yeah. would say that you were 
happy. Yeah, I was happy. I, I'm, yeah, I'm not saying I wasn't happy. I'm, I'm saying in retrospect, looking back, I, I guess in comparing the two lives, yeah, I guess it would be desolate. Okay. But if I am speaking about the vantage point of who I was then, I had a good life. Mm-hmm. I got everything I wanted. It was you know, no real uh, issues like that. I didn't have to face... Um, I didn't have to deal with somebody in my life dying earlier than they should. Maybe um, I didn't have my family. My parents didn't have necessarily financial issues. You know, for the most part, they did a great job. Yeah. So um, yeah, no, you're right. You know, life was life was good. You know, I had two toy chests. We was rocking out. <laughs> okay. All right. So then, so childhood was good. Mm-hmm. You were spoiled. You had everything you wanted. Yeah. Cheese pretzels every day whenever you wanted them. But that's not how. So she, what she's talking about the cheese pretzels. So I went to most of my life. I went to Catholic school. Um, at this certain Catholic school, I guess middle school, you know, elementary school. Every Wednesdays they had these cheese pretzels and oh, once a week, once not a week, every, every Wednesday, you know. <laughs> and they were they were I, I, to, the, to for the life of me, I can't ever find like Wawa has you know cheddar cheese pretzels and. They 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 not up they they not up there in uh scale of taste and no, they're not. texture they they good but you know them cheese pretzels on Wednesday so her and uh, some of our other friends they make fun of me because you know I had the privileged life and they're just mad that they had to deal with those uh those dry corn muffins in the morning from public school so that's all right we we had what are those things those like it was a bagel. Word, it was, it was like, what is word, that? it was like a twist. <laughs> it, they would warm it up in the package and give it to kids. Like, man, that's just, they was just, they, they're feeding kids cancer in public schools, you know. That's what they're I doing. mean, yeah, they definitely are. There's nothing desirable about public school lunch. Oh. But, all right, so child childhood is great. Life mm-hmm. is progressing. Take us through Teen Martin and, like, Young Adult Martin. <laughs> um, So, Teen Martin. So, my first two years, I went to a uh, a pretty prominent um, private school in Newark, uh, Newark, New Jersey, you know, and um, even going into it. So my dad uh, knew the uh, high school basketball coach. He knew him. Um, they played, they, they, they sort of played college basketball together. I think when my dad graduated, he came in. And, um, you know, all sports are like... Um, Highly, you know, what was the word I'm looking for? But highly looked at in high school, you know. Okay. And um, highly respected. I don't know why I was missing. Um, so obviously the coach is highly respected as well. And we had a pretty prominent high school basketball uh, program. So I remember when uh, I first, uh, I guess, re-met him because he hadn't seen me since I was a kid. But he looked at me, he was like, man, I thought I was getting a six-foot point guard. I got a five-foot swimmer because I swam in high school. And, you know, <laughs> so um, – I came in um, to the high school under the, uh, the assumption, like, I could just skate through high school. Nothing to do with that example, but um, I skated through um, middle school. Um, and I skated through middle school because I was, uh, I was able to catch on to things fast. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't necessarily super intelligent, but I would catch on to things fast, and I, I, I got those things misconstrued. I thought catching on to things fast meant I was intelligent. Mm-hmm. No, it just meant that I have the ability to catch on to things fast and succeed if I applied myself. So I thought going into high school, obviously the curriculum is different and gets harder, um, that I could do the same thing. No, I, you actually have to study. and um, I didn't do any of that. Um, there was a, uh, I'm going to say this, Ma, don't be mad. 
um, <laughs> uh, my uh, algebra class freshman year, you you get a certain number of points or you get dropped a certain number of points every day. You don't bring back the syllabus signed. I would leave school and I knew this. I would leave school and completely forget about the syllabus. It was in my bag. I would do everything I wanted to do. Everything I play basketball, talk to girls, go to the boys and girls club that we was at. Do everything but get, get that, that syllabus, syllabus signed. <laughs> so when I finally did get the syllabus signed, it was too late. I was already I already had a felon grade. So that's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. So I'm sorry, mom, dad. I'm sorry too. You know, y'all pay for that. Um. So uh. So yeah. So I just just dumb stuff like that. Complete disregard for my own future. Not taking myself seriously. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, and um. So I did two years of high school there, and um. At that time, because I was so blinded by. And I was so self-centered. I was so blinded by my own self. Um, unfortunately, me and my parents, specifically my mom, had a very rocky relationship. And uh, at this, this school, they had a program called the Velvet Rope Program. Mm-hmm. And uh, because the school was so um, prominent, um, there were kids that came all over from New York or New Jersey, like the surrounding areas, to live there, um, to go to school there. But since they couldn't commute, they, there was a, um, a dorm where they could live. Well, there was, it wasn't necessarily roped off, but there was a hallway um, for the bad kids, and it was called the Velvet Rope Program. And uh, my best friend at that time, uh, me and him and his brother and our other friend, we all grew up together, um, but me and, my best, me and my best friend went to that school together, and uh, he was in the program our, our sophomore year. And we used to make fun of him, us and our other friend, make fun of him, like, oh, he in the Velvet Rope Program. But I did see that his his academics were getting better his relationships were getting better and i'm like i should join like i i I was aware enough to know that my relationship with my mom wasn't great i wasn't an honorable child at all um i know mom you'll say differently but i wasn't so um i wasn't a very honorable um child so uh um i asked my uh my water polo coach like hey um can i join the program and he's like, absolutely. He knew the type of relationship that I had. But his, um, the immediate comparison was like, it's like jail. Mm-hmm. And that's a stretch now that I'm 31. <laughs> but I do understand what they meant. And so from if, you, if you're there, because you enroll yourself. So if you're there from Sunday to Saturday, you, get, you, you have seven days. And to graduate from the program, you need 300 days, right? So I think in the first two to three days, I, my days would drop back to zero, and because my best friend was with me, his days would drop back to zero. But keep in mind, he was in the program much longer than I was. So, because his, I, I basically caused him to drop. You're a bad day. influence. Yeah, he made that decision. But yes, so <laughs> it was because we didn't go to swim practice. Um, he was like, "Yeah, we're gonna skip. We're gonna hang out. You're gonna skip. We're gonna hang out on the school that we have to live at. Like it's just so dumb. Just go to practice, right? It's not like we went out to go do something. We just stayed." I don't know, on a computer, a school computer or something. So uh, the first 30 days, you need to get 30 days to leave out of your room to go hang out, to get on a computer after study hall. Um, and then once you get to 60, you start going back home on the weekends. Uh, you uh, you go back home. That, that first week, you go back home that day, come back that night. The next weekend, if you still have your 60 days, you go home for an overnight, come back the next morning, and then... The next weekend, um, if you still have your 60 days, you start going home on the weekends every weekend. I made it to that last part of the process once before my days were frozen. And uh, not something I'm proud of, but uh, my days were frozen. And uh, they put me in what was considered the uh, 
Why were your dates frozen? I stole somebody's cell phone. Because in the program, you can't have a phone up until you get 60 days. And um, so my phone was taken. Dang, they keep your phone? Mm-hmm. Uh, either they keep it or my dad took it. I feel like they kept it, though. And uh, they keep it. And uh, so I stole some of my phone because I wanted to talk to the, the young ladies outside in the world. Wow. And uh, I got caught. Um, and uh, they dropped my days back to zero. They put me in what was the isolation room. And that joint had no windows. Um, it was, I, I still remember the, uh, the carpeted floor. Um, it was like uh, blue and green, like speckled. And I walked around that that room in the dark for what felt like I was just contemplating my own, um, the result of my actions. And uh, eventually I, I found that they left a book for me to read. It was just some fiction book. It wasn't like betterment, you know, mm-hmm. just some book for me to pass the time. They would open, when it was time to eat, they would open the door, put my food <laughs> under there, you know, close the door. Like solitary confinement. That's what it was. That's really what it was. Uh, when it came to homework, because I wouldn't, I wasn't in class. I was just in that room. Oh, you didn't even get to go to I didn't class. Get to code, I didn't get to go to class. They would open the door, put my classwork in there, close the door, my homework. You know, that's how it was. And I was expected to catch up. And it, it was what it was. It wasn't, wasn't any ifs or buts about it. Um, I think I got on out like three, four days. And uh, uh, the program, I wasn't the only one in the program. Obviously, I had my best friend there. But it was like maybe like seven to eight other people. Um, who ha- who were in there for various different reasons, um, but ultimately it was just they wanted us to be better, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, could they have done it differently? Sure, that's not my job to think back and figure out how they could have done it. Um, ultimately, I'm grateful for it. Um, but to you know, if you don't have 60 days, which I didn't because my days were frozen, if you don't have 60 days by the time the school year is up, which at that time was up in May. Um, you had to stay on campus for the summer. And I'm like, I went to the, the guidance counselor, whoever was in charge. I don't know. I don't know what he was. But I'm like, I got to get out of here. Whatever I can do, <laughs> whatever I can do to get out of here, tell me I'm doing it, right? I know I won't have 60 days, but what do I have to do? And um, he what gave. What must I do? Yeah. And he gave me, uh, he bought a thousand piece jigsaw puzzle. And he said, you got to complete this to, to leave. And you do. Jigsaw puzzles all the time. Yes, I do. But uh, I only got an hour a day to do it. Um, and um, if I wasn't finished by the end of the year, I had to stay. But on top of that, it was a uh, safari, a savanna or whatever. So uh, there was a watering hole. Um, it was animals drinking from that watering hole, like a mountain range in the sky. So everything was a reflection. So you didn't know where the pieces you know, went. So... Uh, it was getting tight. The last, the last day I had, uh, I, I cheated. You know, there was other people at the dorm who saw like, like, like they like we, we got help Martin out, right? Oh my! So uh, you know, some people um, came and helped me, and uh, you know, we got it all figured out, and I was able to go home for that summer. Um, but you know, summers as as a teenager aren't a uh, especially a teenager who's completely blinded by sin, you know, you do everything you think a teenager should do in the summertime. And uh, so when the school year rolled back around, the people, whether they were in the program or not, if you lived at the dorm, you needed to be moved back in the day before. I didn't tell my parents that. So I just went to school the next day, like 
back in school, you know, right? <laughs> and my 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 boy just laughed at me. He shook his head and laughed at me. I thought I was cool. I didn't I, again. I didn't consider consider the ramifications of my actions. I'm on my way to class. The guidance counselor just touched my shoulder and he was like, "Go to my office." So um, I told him like, "Hey," and my own young, arrogant, fifteen year old self. I probably said it nice at this time because he was helping me on my uh, my presentation of how how I uh, spoke to people, but. I just basically told him, like, hey, you know, this program is great, but I I, I got my feel of it, right? I I enrolled myself in there. I'm enrolling now. Right? Hey, yo. I'm out of here. I think I'm good All now. Right, so, I uh, am yeah. performed. That's, that's, that, that's kind of how I came. And um, he agreed. He agreed. He said, you know, we watch your grades improve. We watch your relationships improve, especially with my mom. And uh, he was just like, but nah, it don't work like that. So he called my parents. My parents had to leave work or whatever whatever they were doing, which I'm sure they weren't happy about, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to be called in about their kid. And I told them the same thing that I told the guidance counselor. And he agreed, but he told my parents with, with me in there, it was just like, if he doesn't want to, uh, I, can't, can't, I can't make an exception for him. Every kid or uh, every student who has graduated from this program um, did their 300 days. That's it. And uh, he was just like, either he he does it or he leaves. And, you know, they were just like, all right, we got to go. And I, my mom didn't talk to me that whole summer. And I understand. You paying thousands of dollars. Yeah. And your son is just, oh, I'm so sorry. So um, I transferred schools. Um, my mom found me another uh, public school. Uh, what, was, what is it? Magnet schools? Found me a magnet school to go to. And uh, this is where life was good, this, baby. This is where your reputation starts to precede you. Yeah. So um, my goal when I got to this magnet school was like to prove to not only my parents, but all my family that I can I can do well. I can apply myself and do well. And I did. I got on the honor roll that, that first uh, what is it, marking period. Some, what is it? Semester, right? That's what they call yeah, um, semester. And uh, I got like a 3.8 for the semester. And I was like, okay, I'm okay. like, I'm good. And, I, and from there, you know. One good semester. It's one good you semester. I am I'm, I proved it. Y'all <laughs> suck, right? And uh, from there, I just coasted through um, through the, the junior and senior year. Now, what I will say is, well, part of the reason why I coasted is one, because I was arrogant and prideful. Um, and I, But I, I quickly realized a lot of the things in my freshman and sophomore year that I learned at this at this prominent school, this this was a cakewalk in comparison. So if I would have really applied myself, I could have you know done a lot better. But I'm like, I'm not doing that. I'm gonna just you know C's get degrees, right? So um, wow. that's that was the mindset that I had, and uh, uh, you know, in the midst of there, in the midst of my uh, my junior and senior year, I made uh, made friends. I became what. People will perceive as popular, and uh, I graduated. Popular. I graduated. Me and my mom had a nice, you know, emotional moment after I graduated, which was great. Um, and uh, yeah, there we go. That's high school. Okay, so let's jump to, or not even jump, but like take us through where your turning point begins to happen because. You know, you're in high school, life is good. Well, you and your mom are repairing. Yeah. And you know, you're popular. A little you're bit. nothing crazy. 
coast nothing crazy. You're coasting through through high school. Yeah. So like where you know, high school eventually comes to an end. Mm-hmm. Like all young adults, you move on to working and whatnot. So mm-hmm. take us through like what happens after high school okay. and how do we get to So okay. Jesus. Okay. Um uh I had a uh a very uh rough moment where like I had to come to grips with reality because I because my grades my freshman and sophomore year were so bad and because I would on, I only coasted my junior and senior year my GPA wasn't high enough to get me places where I wanted to go mm-hmm. um uh I swam and did water polo my freshman and sophomore year um so I had uh interests and just interests nothing crazy where I sat down with like a uh a uh a recruiter or anything but like just interest from colleges who saw that I swim and then for a black person who swims and does well like it you know, obviously you can go places right mm-hmm. so I had a like slight interest right but I didn't I didn't want to swim I did that because that's what my parents had me do um so I came I had a very um moment uh, a real rough moment where reality was like I cried up all I cried all night because I, I realized like your grades suck so bad you couldn't get into any place of not even like high quality, like even like even mid colleges, like I couldn't get into because my GPA was so bad, and I had I didn't swim my junior and senior, so sports didn't even matter in the equation anymore. Mm. Um, I wanted to do my own thing, and you see what happens when you leave kids to their own devices. Yes. Um, so uh, I cried. I I, I, <laughs> I had to enroll in the school that I had deemed as the failure school, it was the the local county college. And I deemed that as the 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 uh, the failure school. I, I, it's like, oh, people go there because they can't get in anywhere else. Now look at me, I can't get anywhere else. <laughs> so I cried all night, like, yo, you're a failure. And uh, that's whether that be true or not. Um, I had to come to I had to come to grips with the fact that I felt like a failure. Mm-hmm. And uh, I cried all night, man. I was so so sad. And um, at that point, it was just like I do well. At this college, and I did get into one school. Well, I got to two schools, um, but it's do well at this um, uh, county college, and you can transfer and go anywhere you want to go. So it's like boom. I made sure I got a three point eight at the at the at my, my uh, county college years, and um, then I realized uh, I transferred. I went to Montclair State for a little bit, and then I realized like this this isn't really for me, right? Uh, <laughs> um, uh, you know, we gotta. Well, not only isn't it, is it for me? I didn't have the finances, right? Mm. Um, so uh, I don't, I don't really remember what happened for me to be like, hey, these finances is a little odd. But um, I'm like, I'm a. I had to come to grips with the fact now at like twenty one, twenty two, I gotta do this by myself. Like, I gotta. My parents helped. But um, I got to figure this out. Like, this is my life. I need to take accountability for my life. I need to figure out what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but in the midst of that, I was working at, uh, I was a waiter at Fridays. Um, I worked in New York at, like, a store my dad used to work at when he was a kid. Um, I worked, uh, and then my mom worked for the Board of Education in Newark. So, I'm like, she was able to get me in. So, uh, I was at Newark Public School. And, uh yeah, I was uh, in the midst of all that. I was in this crazy, ridiculous, toxic relationship that altered my brain chemistry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, we. Uh, uh, 
I, I get to Newark Public School, and uh, I, my goal is like, hey, I need to figure out what I'm going to do um, to make sure that I can uh, do well in life like, as a full-fledged adult. Um, how, and I was trying to figure out a plan. Um, but then I remember like, hey, like for most of my life, whether it was middle school, high school, and uh, uh, a portion of uh, uh, in the county college, I enjoyed writing fiction. Like I, I loved it. Like I would do it the past time. So I'm like, what if I just put my all into this, write a bunch of books, sell it to whoever, and I'm, I'm just cool. I can float off into the sunset. Um, so that was, that's what I decided to do. I said, I'm going to write fiction novels and I'm going to be the next great American author. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I sucked. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I was, uh, I was one of the kids, you know, Saturday morning cartoons, all nineties kids. So I was pulling from that part of my imagination. Like, um, I realized I couldn't draw, so I couldn't do that. But I'm like, right. I can write a great story. I've, I've read and watched great stories. I can, I can do this. So, um, I used to work at a, uh, a summer camps, and uh, the goal was, you know, get, just get back there, right? So one summer I went back, and uh, I thought I had, like, gold, right? And I bought it to uh, a friend of mine. He's still a great friend, Cruz, last name. We go by last name, so the name's Cruz. And I'm like, hey, man, you got to read this. He read this junk. He just looked at me. He was like, Sally, I love you, man, but this is not good. And I was <laughs> like, and I had to respect it because I, I, I respected Cruz, um, we were cut from the same cloth of like we enjoyed good writing, mm-hmm. we enjoyed good storytelling, and uh, I'm like okay, and he helped me with some pointers. Um, went back to work at No Public School once the summer was over, and uh, I am uh, I'm still trying to figure it out, still trying to write, and uh, I am when I was when I got to North Public Schools, I was working with a group of fifth graders. And I had these this group of fifth graders until they were in eighth grade. Mm-hmm. And uh, but my goal in the midst of working with them is a make sure that you guys are behaved, you're quiet, you're listening, you know, you're learning, right? That's important too, um, because I, I need peace and quiet so I can read and I can write. Um, so what I would do is I would read all of the Harry Potter books and all of the Percy Jackson books, and the goal was to take my mind off of whatever was happening in my life, just so I can get to the summer. Because that was a goal. Get to the summer so you can go back to camp and be with your friends. And uh, one day, I'm in their art class, and I'm reading a Harry Potter book. And the art teacher, he goes, man, what you're reading back there? It looks like the Bible. And I mean, I'm like, <laughs> this guy is weird. Very weird. Now, mind you, I already had one interaction with him like a year or two prior, where um, my first day there... It was like a performance for the students. And at the end of the performance, they were like, anybody who wants to come join teachers, parents, students, come on up. And this guy shot from the back of the auditorium. And the auditorium was like at an angle. So you had to, he shot all the way down and then <laughs> hopped on stage. He didn't even use the stairs. And it's my first day. And I'm just, I, I looked at him and I'm just like, I'm not talking to that guy. Won't pay me to talk to that guy. He's oh weird. Um, and he was just really uh, happy to be on stage dance. I don't know whether it was African dance. I don't know. It was just like, there's no way this grown man should be just happy to be dancing. He was enjoying life. He was enjoying life and, and I was, was hating. Hate. I was hating. I, I am, I am a, uh, I'm a hater. You know, I, I be hating. So, um, you know, if Christ want to redeem that, he can, but I be hating, you know? So, um, 
he was up there, you know, having a good time. In my head, I'm like, I'm not talking to that guy. He's he's a weirdo. Um, so you fast forward, and he says his, you look like you're reading the Bible kind. I'm like, he's definitely weird. <laughs> um, so uh, after that, um, the day goes on, and I come upstairs by his uh, by his office or room or whatever to go to the vending machine, and I see he's in the, uh, the hallway talking to a student. Now, this student is a student that had, I was keeping my eye on to bring him to the camp. But I need to make sure that his he was uh, behaved because I, I can't bring anybody there. You know, this is my reputation at stake. Um, I need to make sure that, you know, he's going to behave that way he can enjoy himself and experience something different in the middle of New Hampshire. Um, so I could tell that he was in trouble. And uh, I asked the teacher, I'm like, hey, uh, Mr. Billups, like, what's going on with this kid? And uh, he's like, come back and talk to me about him later. I'm like, OK, whatever. Get my Ruffles cheddar and sour cream chips and go by my way. And um, I come back and talk to him. That was lunch? Ruffles? I had I had like a tuna sandwich, but I had, you know. Mm. Oh, okay. You know how I like my tuna sandwich. Yeah. Oh, you know. She don't be buying me light mayo, y'all. Tell her light mayo in the comments or something. Um, you can't have, mayo. you can't be eating Ruffles and light mayo. You got to right, pick one avenue. I don't eat Ruffles no more. Not uh-huh. as much. Huh? Um, so uh, I come back and I ask him like, hey, what was going on with this kid? And he tells him, like, you know, he's just being a knucklehead. I was just telling him, like, hey, you know, you got to do better. You know, he's only, like, sixth grade, you know, <clears throat> nothing uh, earth-shattering, you know, but he was just being himself. And uh, he immediately goes, like, hey, you know, why are you interested in this kid? And I proceed to tell him about, you know, the camp and me wanting to bring him to the camp. And he says, uh, he's asking me, like, so what do you want to do with the camp as you, like, as you grow, as you mature? And I'm just like, nothing, really. Like, I just know that it's a different experience. Maybe I could go and sit on a board one day. Like, I didn't really, the camp wasn't a part of my future. Um, it's just some, a place that I worked at that I really enjoyed. And uh, so he's like, so what do you want to do? I'm just like, I want to be a fiction uh, author. So uh, he's like, bring me some of your work. Now, anybody who is a creative person knows, like, I'm not, I'm not trying to give my work to anybody. But right. because he was so open and because my well, my friend just told me like a couple months ago that my work sucked, like I'm like I need to get better, so I did. And uh, through me giving him um, uh, my notebooks upon notebooks and him reading and my terrible Google Docs, he um, we formed a relationship, we formed a friendship, and uh, he would help me become a better author. And he also said my work sucked, uh, <laughs> but he said it much nicer because we didn't know each other like that, right? Yeah. Uh, so he wasn't as transparent, but I could read between the lines. Like, I already was told my work sucked anyway, So, um, but he helped me become a better writer. And uh, if I go back and read that stuff now, it's just like, I, I can't get through it. Like, I couldn't stomach reading it. So um, we formed a, uh, a friendship. Because my kids were well behaved, I would leave the kids with the teacher, burst in his office like, hey, man, what you think about this? And he would, he would. He wouldn't read it immediately because he had a job, but he would uh, he would read it maybe in the next couple of days and get back to me. And uh, one day I burst in his office and uh, I'm like, I went to go like ask him, like, hey, what do you think about this? And I saw that he was like and he was intensely reading something. And it was like a list of 100 crazy things in like America's school system or something. And one, uh, maybe like seven or 13 was like they're teaching preschool kids. And I think it was Chicago about like sex, like real deal sex. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. So uh, we started talking. He asked me, like, so what do you think about that? Because some people could agree that that's a good thing, right? Right. I wasn't cut from that cloth. I was just like, nah, man, preschool kids should be learning alphabets, right? Exactly. Their letters and stuff. Like, why, what are we talking about? And uh, so that conversation um, somehow, because 
uh, Mr. Billups was who he is. You know, he, you getting what you get with him. Right. Um, that, that led to a conversation about God. And uh, I told him, like, you know, I grew up in church, which is true. I did grow up in church. Um, my family, um, in the uh, early parts of my life, all of my family went to the same church. And um, and they were going there for generations. And um, uh, I went there. Um, I knew I went to Sunday school. You know, I was churched. Um, <laughs> but uh, I was... Uh, I just didn't feel like it was uh, it was it, right? Um, I guess I'll touch upon that part later. But um, eventually, my 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 parents, mainly my mom, because she was that was her family uh, church. And it wasn't like a conversation that we had, but it was like she basically like gave me a choice to go to church, and as I got older, yeah. Um, so uh, I'm just like, ah, oh, I'll stay in the house and play my Game Boy, right? Whatever it was cool at that time. And, uh, so that was, that was it. So, uh, but as I got older, um, uh, and this is now maybe like 16, 17, 18, 19, I'm just like, because America is what America is, you're introduced to so many different gods. You're your own God. Any basketball can become a God. Your, uh, Game Boy can become a God in your own head. You can esteem anything. Right. Yeah. So, um. Uh, I, I said like, hey, when the conversation to God came up with uh, Mr. Billups, um, I was just like, you know, I believe in God. I just don't know if the Christian God is the right God. Right. There's so many gods, you know, and I was probably just uh, reciting things that I heard from many other people. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, uh, it wasn't my own ideas, but it sounded smart. <laughs> <laughs> um and he just left it there. He didn't push it. He didn't debate it. He just left it. He's like, oh, cool, cool, cool. Went back to hanging up, you know, kids' uh, art pictures on his wall or something like that, right? Um, but we still had a friendship. We would talk about anything under the sun. I had no idea this man was a Christian. Not a clue, right? Um, so Undercover. But he, was, he did a great job. He did a great... I had no idea. Um, so as the school year came to a close, no... No, no, no. School year didn't come. No. Um, a couple months went around, and uh, we started talking about God more. And then I kind of, like, picked up on it. Um, so uh, I looked at him, and, I again, I, I really didn't know that he was Christian. I just started to pick up on it. Um, I looked at him one day. I'm like, listen, I hate how you talk about your wife and your kids. And he, he, he talks about them like, there, there is everything, right? Um, I had, I had not met them at this point in our lives. I'm just like, man, they, they must be phenomenal people the way he talk about them, right? right? Um, and I'm like, man, um, how do I get what you got? You're a black man. You're from the same city I'm from. You come to work extremely joyful, not happy, but joyful. And if you ever seen those things, those are two different things. And you're an art teacher, like you can't be that joyful being an art teacher <laughs> in Newark, <laughs> in Newark, like, like you know, um, like. You know, you don't work at the the Met Gala, like you know, like how are you so joyful? So I be, I asked him like, how do I get what you got? Was was my my exact words? And he said Jesus. And in my head, I'm like, that's, I was that's maybe he misunderstood. So I'm asked again. Um, I said, how do I get what you got? And he said Jesus. And I was like, I was expecting like you know I did this and I did this, mm-hmm. you know, and that let me here here and you know whatever. And uh, I'm like, all right, well. If you're saying Jesus did all this for you, 
and I know people who say they know Jesus and y'all lives look different. How do I get your Jesus? Right. And he told me to read Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Um, but by the time I get to Luke, which is the third gospel, um, my favorite gospel, actually. He told me your life will be different. Now, fast forward, Luke is not my favorite gospel, but I didn't I didn't know that. I didn't know that was going to be the case. Um, so I'm like, OK, I'm going to believe you. So I would read the Gospels. I would listen to the Gospels on a Bible app. Um, my, uh, I drove at this time, but my the school I worked at was close enough to my house. I would just walk. Mm-hmm. So I would listen to it, go back. After I was done listening to two chapters, to go back to listen to uh, uh, Joe Budden, uh, Mac Joe Miller, Budden. or J. Cole, or whatever. Still living my life. Nothing had changed. I, I just told somebody that, I was going to read some words, and he told me by reading some words, your life is going to be changed, which is crazy because I've read a lot of words. I enjoyed books, right? But he said it, so I'm going to try it. Now, uh, <laughs> I go, and uh, I'm talking to this girl. We go out on a date, and uh, she, she want to do the thing. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like uh, I wasn't expecting that. Honestly, I wasn't going into it with those types of intentions. Um, I was just, I knew her for a while, so we were just hanging out. Um, but um, as we're about to go do the thing, because, listen, I, I was about to do the thing, too. I just didn't come here for that. But since you want to do it, you know what I'm saying? Oh, um, my goodness. <laughs> um, so, uh, in, in the, as, as, it's about to, as it's about to get hot and heavy. Wow. <laughs> I'm like, I can't, I can't, I can't do this. I can't go through with this, right? Going out to ice cream, that was cool. Uh, going out, watching uh, movie, whatever movie you watch was cool. But this, I can't do that. And uh, I said, if I, if I go through with this, I'm going to go to hell. I felt it. I was terrified. It felt like uh, um, a lightning bolt like hit my heart. And I was like terrified. Like my heart was coming out my chest. And I'm just like, I need, I got to get out of here. So I gave her some weak excuse. I didn't really care what she felt about it. And I'm like, I got to go. And I ran to my car. Uh Every, when I picture this in my head, it's like it's like you barely have your clothes on and you just I put running. My, <laughs> I <laughs> put my clothes back on, guys. I put them back on. They weren't even off for real. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't think they was off, but I'm like, nah. I got to get out of here. Um. So I ran back to my car, and at this time, I had made it to Luke. Now I don't know if that's prophetic. Um. Obviously, God was convicting my own heart. Yeah. Um, but there are plenty of people who read the Bible. A lot of people read the Bible to find um, errors. A lot of people read the Bible to find where the Garden of Eden is. A lot of people read the Bible because they hate Jesus right. and they're hate reading. Right. A lot of people read the Bible and are not convicted is my point. Mm-hmm. I read three books of the Bible. These historians have read all of the books in the Bible and my heart was convicted. And I didn't even finish reading the third book yet. And I run to him the next day at work and I'm like, chosen. I need to be saved. I need to be saved. I need to be baptized. And he was surprised. He was, it wasn't none of that. He was like, okay, we're going to get you baptized. And at the time I was going to what was now. So in the midst of uh, my life, I think around the age of nine, my father had found a church that he wanted to go to. So my mother followed him. She left her, excuse me. She left her family's church and followed him to this church. So I was going to this church on the other side of town. And, uh, because I had gone there, gone, and I see I use going lightly because I would go and come back. Um, everybody, not everybody, but people knew who I was because my mom, you know, did, uh, she was a part of the dance ministry. And I'm her 
son, right? And the funny thing is, the summer before I, uh, before all of this happened, um, I was at this camp. I was dealing with this young lady at this camp, and uh, I thought I got her pregnant. So I'm, I was praying every Ooh. single night, every we, single night. We thank God. Yeah, we thank God every single night. Lord, if this girl is not pregnant, I will serve you. I'm going back to church. I will pray that every every chance, not even night, every chance I got, I was praying that prayer. If I had an off period where I was working, I'm praying that prayer. Um, she was pregnant. Right, so I went back to fornicating with her, just you know, safer. <laughs> um, but she wasn't pregnant, so once I came back from the summer, it's like I'm gonna go start going to church. Um, so fast forward, um, my heart is convicted. I tell uh, Mr. Billups, um, Alex, I need to be baptized. He's like, all right, when you go to church on Sunday, uh, go up for the altar call. Um, and I didn't. I didn't go because I'm like, in my head, I'm like, the altar call came I'm like. Everybody know me. Like this, the reason why I came to the church that day specifically, I'm going up for the altar call. I don't care what the preacher's saying. I don't care about the songs. I don't care about the flags. You know, shout out to you, mom, for waving the flags. But I'm like, I don't care. I am going for this altar call. When the time came, I froze. I'm like, I can't. Everybody know me. That's gonna be weird. Just dumb. And uh, I go him. I go to Alex the next day, and I'm just like, I couldn't do it. Everybody know know me. You know, it doesn't make sense. You know, and you're just like, the decision you. Uh, the decision to give your life to Christ is only between you and God, not those other people. And I'm like, he is right. Duh. <laughs> so next Sunday happened and um, the altar call comes. And the only thing I, I promise you, the only thing I did was turn my body to go towards the end of the aisle. It felt like God took over and I was already, I was walking. <laughs> um, I said, I want to, you know, give my life to Christ. Everybody knows the altar call. And, uh, I could hear my mom in the back cheering. I could hear her. Really? Yeah, I could hear her. Cheering? Uh, yeah. Okay. She told me later that people in the back was like, look, look, your son, your son, your son. <laughs> um, uh, so uh, I give my life to Christ. A couple weeks later, you know, you're ba- I'm baptized and uh, all of my family, not all of them, but, you know. A good portion. A good portion of my family, my friends, ex-girlfriend was there when I, I was in toxic relationship. I don't know even how she got there, uh, but she was there and, um. At that point, it goes back to the first question you asked, um, the desire to serve Jesus was there, mm-hmm. but the spiritual transaction didn't happen. I didn't have the Holy Spirit. I was just baptized in water as it was instructed, right? Right. And uh, that's, that's just what it was. At the time, did you understand that? Like No, no, okay. no, 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 no. I just knew that that was the right thing to do was to be baptized, right? Right. Um, so I go to work the next day. I'm talking to Alex. He's like, Ask me how I'm feeling. You know, I'm feeling great or cool, whatever. And uh, he's like, so now what? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And he's like, you know, if if you was just, if the goal was just to, for you to get saved, you would just go to heaven. I'm like, well, that's true, right? I remember exactly that. We was at the far end of our playground with, during recess for the kids just talking. He was like, now you got to get other people saved. I'm like. Oh, that makes sense. It does. <laughs> um, you know, so uh, we uh, we trying to strategize about my friends and family, you know. And I don't think anything came of that uh, at that moment. I think <laughs> I bought, I did bring my ex-girlfriend to meet him. He didn't, he didn't like her at all. He, mm. he was very nice about it, you know. She was whack. She was whack. She wasn't me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know. You know, you want to want to get out of here. Oh, all right. Um, so, uh, um, 
Yeah, I, I was thinking of my cousin. Me and my cousin, we grew up uh, as like brother and sister because uh, our parents are twins, so we were always around each other. We were very close in age. People say we look just alike, so I'm like, you know, I'm thinking of my cousin. Um, I'm thinking of all of these people, right? Because mm-hmm. um, I like they need experience what I experienced. They need yes. experience the joy of Christ. Um, but nothing really came with that. The summer came. I went back to the the, the camp, and I was trying my best to be saved. And uh, I'm telling my my friends about God. I didn't know how to preach the gospel yet, but I'm telling my friends about God and about Jesus. And they're giving me the same spill that I would I gave out. It's like, oh, you know, there's a bunch of different gods. Yeah, whatever. So nothing came of that. So I uh I come back and uh Alex like, yo, I found this place. <laughs> Meet me there on Friday at 7:30. I'm like, I didn't think anything of it. I'm just like, because at that point, I'm just doing everything um that he he's doing like hey we're gonna go to this bible study like hey i want you to read this this i want you to read this um uh uh, this letter from paul i want you to do this i want you to do that i want you to to know the order of the new testament right hell i was just doing what he told me to do he's like we're gonna meet here meet me here at 7 30 you're gonna have a great time and i'm like okay pull up probably not at 7 30 uh probably pull up at like 7 45 because it's like you know whatever i didn't really Think of, you know, CP time, you know. Yeah, you young. You don't got Word. a parameter. Not at all. Time. My Mustang, I thought, was super fast. It gave me anywhere I needed to go in 2.5. And uh, I walk in to a house um, in this nice basement, nice spacious basement. People are worshiping God. And I'm like, what the heck is this? Like. Worshiping fervently. Fervently. Like, people are, are yelling screaming, crying to the top of their lungs um, over Jesus. As a person who I wasn't a big yeller, like, you know, it's kind of crazy, like, because as you know me and as a quasi, uh, quasi knows me, like, I can I can talk, you know, I, I'm here to have a good time. That wasn't me. I was, I'm, I'm ignoring people. I'm not even acknowledging people. I'm hardly speaking prior to being saved, right? Um, I didn't cry probably since my, uh, my high, well, no, not my high school graduation. A little bit after when I came to groups of my own uh, failure. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm just like, why? They doing a lot. And I'm always quick, even right now, to say somebody is doing a lot. Yeah. Not, as, not as it relates to Christ, but just being dramatic. I'm like, man, they're doing a lot. Um, but they're, they are going for it. And they're going for it like Jesus is in the room. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, Alex, what did you bring? Why? <laughs> You know, why are we here? Why are we here? You know, <laughs> so worship ends. Um, and it's not, it's not ends, but it's like they go, we, we move on to something else. Um, whether somebody's talking and we just sit down and I'm just listening. Everything that this man who was talking was saying that day is everything that me and Alex have been talking about the past two days. There's no way he knows what we were talking about, <laughs> right? I'm like, oh, this is crazy, right? So I'm like, hey, uh, Maybe this, right? Maybe this is where I need to be, right? And uh, I only say maybe because at that time I got into another relationship, and that relationship I thought, yeah, it, it was like, wait, what? Yeah, wait, yeah. I, rem- I, I know, okay. I got into another relationship where I thought like this was a calling from God. Like <laughs> the young lady, uh, her family had their own church, like it was their church. Um, uh, she had a child, and I was like, I'm never gonna be with somebody that uh, that has a child, you know. 
And I thought that, like, that was my own. I thought God was, like, trying to humble me. Like, you know, shut up. You know, do get, deal with what I give you type mm-hmm. of thing. And uh, that wasn't true. Right? We found that out two, three months later. Um, but I'm just like, man, I only say maybe because it's like, because they had uh, the system church. Um, I'm just like, hey, you know, maybe this is where I need to be. Um, but it came to a point where uh, she basically was like, because she also worked with Alex. Like, we all worked together. Um, well, she she basically like, you either. Uh, Mr. Billups. Mr. Billups. Yeah, you never said his first name. So people watching going to be like, who's that? Mr. Billups' first name is Alex. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm like, hey. Uh, she basically said, either you choose to follow him or you follow me. And I'm just like. You don't know me that well to be giving me ultimatums like Word. that. I'm out of here. <laughs> um, so I, that was it. I hung up the phone and kept it moving. Um, and I decided, like, hey, I'm just going to, from from what I see about, and I was examining his life. What I see about your life, you're doing your best to serve God. I don't know many people who are ignoring their flesh to, to, to do their best to serve God. Mm-hmm. I know people who want to combine the two, right, yeah. have their own life and try to serve God. But, like, ignoring their flesh and doing everything they can to serve God. Like, Hey, there is like, I, I, I watched him preach the gospel uh, to somebody and he came with the hammer. Cause the, the dude was just like, Hey man, everybody, everybody goes to heaven. Doesn't matter what they worship. And he came with the hammer Ooh. and he was like, he, he laid it out for him. Like, that's not true. That's not what Jesus says. And if you continue to preach like that, you're going to go to hell. And he just, boom. And I'm just like, that's holy. I can respect it. And he did it in such a way where, um, it obviously that uh, that that statement is offensive. Jesus was offensive, but it wasn't it wasn't harsh. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I gotta learn how to do that because right? my as you know, um, my words can be harsh, and I don't. That's that's my goal is not be harsh. I just think I be telling the truth, and uh, I've offended a lot of family friends. Maybe I'm sorry if I offended you. I'm sorry. I forgive you. But you know, my words could be harsh, and that's not my goal. It's just gotta clean it up, right? And he did that in such a way. It was holy, and the guy at the end of the conversation was just like, "You're right." So um, I'm just like, "Hey, I'm following him. You're wild if you think I'm following you." And I got to see her life in person. And I'm just like, uh, "Nah, wasn't the best representation." So yeah. Okay, so you said like you know you were baptized, and the heart transaction happened, but mm-hmm. the spiritual transaction hadn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. So you see. I guess the power of God moving in Alex's life, you mm-hmm. see him, you know, actively doing the work, preaching mm-hmm. the gospel and he's bringing you along to mm-hmm. teaching you and telling you to read different things. And all these situations are happening, right? At what point does the spiritual transaction take place for you? I don't know. Um, the reason why I say I don't know, cause it wasn't like a oh! <laughs> type of moment. It was like a, um, through me being obedient, it was like a a holy download happened over time. Mm-hmm. It was just like um, uh, a deeper desire to serve God would happen. It's just like, because I was still, I, di- I didn't immediately get baptized and I did everything correctly, obviously. Um, it was just like, I'm revealing my life to Alex and um, uh, to the small amount of people. Because when I first came in, I wasn't talking to everybody. Yeah. Um, to the small amount of people who I was introduced to. Um, and through that, it was just like a burning desire began to grow to serve Jesus. So I don't know when it happened. I don't know what day it happened. I just know like it came with obedience. Yeah. Okay. All right. So tell us what, 
life looks like today? Like, how is Martin today, the Martin that knows Jesus and loves Jesus, how is he different from the Martin that was in high school living Mm -hmm. his life and who had a good life? Mm -hmm. How are they different? So Martin, through being a kid, a young adult, a teenager, an adult, um, Martin was always looking for validation, right? Mm. Um, and I don't know where, what part of trauma, I guess, that came from, but I, I was always looking for validation. Um, and now I, I don't, not only do I not look for it, but I don't need it because, you know, not to be cliche, but my validation comes from Christ yeah. and from his people, right? Um, I, I, be, I, I look forward to uh, the moments that embraces, that embraces, <laughs> that embrace from um, people who I know are holy, mm-hmm. right? Um, when I teach her, um, there was a time where I, I, she asked me to do something, um, uh, and I did it. Um, and when I saw her, I gave her what she needed, what she asked for, and she just kissed me on the cheek. And I was just like, I could have broken down crying right there because it meant, I know what, what it, it meant so much to her. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, and because I know that she's a holy woman, holy woman of God, I know like in that small instance, God is happy, right? Because I I, uh, I did whatever I needed to do to make sure his child was happy. And his mm-hmm. child just happens to be my teacher, our teacher. One of them anyway. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, I just, um, I'm, I am just very, what's the word? I don't know. I think you got my point. Like, I don't look for validation from people. Um, uh, obviously, I, 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 I look for validation from you because you're my wife and I want to make sure that you're happy. Um. I don't look for validation from the boys. I just said, I need to make sure y'all good. Y'all need to understand like, hey, we raising y'all in a certain way so y'all can grow up and be servants of the Lord. Um, but I was looking for validation as a young man um, from other people. I bought sneakers not to, not because I like sneakers necessarily, but to say that, you know, you, you ain't had these on, right? You know, I, I, I bought them to say like, yeah, look, look at my kicks and, you know, you dusty type of thing. Wow. Um, and I was looking for validation, find, trying to find validation uh, for myself Cause I was empty inside. I didn't recognize it as empty because I was. I didn't. I didn't deal with. In, I didn't deal with depression, um, but I was looking for validation, and now I don't need to look for validation. Right? Um, do I still like sneakers? Yeah. Do you always tell me like, babe? Not always. Let's not get crazy. But <laughs> often. Do you tell me like, hey? I send her like a Instagram uh, DM like, you know, you know, he's about to drop, <laughs> and uh, she'd be like, okay, dot dot dot. Like you're not getting these, you know. But um, uh. You know, I don't, I don't need validation from the world, you know, and I'm, uh, I'm just trying to be a a better son. You know, I wasn't the greatest son, uh, even after the Velvet Rule program, right? I still have my rocks and bumps, um, but I want to live along and, you know, honoring mother and father, you you know, you're going to live some little little long time, you know, I'm I'm trying to live long and and that's not to say I do a perfect job, but I, I desire to, um, so Okay. Can you bring us through an instance where <clears throat> an instance where you were able to grow closer to Christ and really expand your faith? Last week, you want to talk about last week? Sure. I mean, when I think about it, you're like, you know, over time this spiritual That's transaction true. happened. So, I can only assume that it was through Quite yeah. a few different experiences. Yeah. So go ahead. So we have the loss of our first child. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was obviously a little more rough on you than me. 
because you know you're carrying the child. Um, it was a miscarriage. Um, I could only feel the child kick. Right, there wasn't a uh, uh, an emotional attachment as much as you had for me. Right, so you have the miscarriage. And it's just like um, it wasn't necessarily about the child, but it's like is my wife okay? Because if y'all know my wife, she's not a very emotional person. You know, maybe that's a little trauma. You know, but whatever. Uh, it's it's true. Yeah, it's probably trauma. It's probably trauma. Yeah. Um, um, her dad called it out last time we was out there. It was probably trauma. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, trying to make sure that you're good. And in the midst of you know that night, our pastors called called us to just make sure that we were okay. And uh, I'm like, thank you so much. You know, even for the call. Like it, that was during COVID, so people wasn't really coming out like that. Mm. But they did everything that they could do to make sure that we were okay. Um, so you have that instance, right? Um, but when I consider, uh, my lung collapsing, so I, I worked out early in the day, everything was fine. Um, we go and we go to your mom's uh, house. Uh, I go get a haircut. So I drop you off. I'm sitting in the barbershop like, man, like it's kind of difficult to breathe. We go. Um, work out later that day because I was trying to, she was trying to get in the gym, y'all. Um, Listen, that baby weight, it had to go. <laughs> so I'm trying to just show her, you know, you know what she can do when the days that I'm not there. Um, and uh, I still, I, I couldn't do the same workouts that I did the same day or the day prior. I'm like, I can't, why, why can I do it? Yeah, you were showing me how to do a special squat or something. Uh, it was a dumbbell squat. <laughs> it wasn't special. Excuse uh, me. But yeah, I could. I I, I got lightheaded on the the second rep. I'm like, what mm-hmm. the heck? Um, I lowered the weight and I still was lightheaded. I'm like, I feel like I'm about to pass out. He's like, let's just go home. Um, and I'm like, I'm gonna just go home and take a nap. I go home, take a nap. Your aunt comes over. She's like, Mar, you just just go to the hospital. I'm like, we got fellowship tonight. I'm not trying to miss fellowship. I'm trying to be with people of God. And she's just like, just go to the hospital. I'm like. Okay, we go to the hospital, and uh, terrible experience. We go to the hospital. They do X-ray. They see my lung has collapsed. The nurse kept trying to tell me. The doctor kept trying to tell me, "Oh, it's COVID. It's COVID." I'm like, I have been stuck in my nose like three times a day. I know it's not COVID, right? Yeah. Um, but she was just so persistent, like it was COVID. Um, and even when she told me that the lung collapsed, she was like, "Oh, well, it's a, it's a collapsed lung." She's like, "Good news and bad news. Uh huh. It's not COVID, yeah. but you do have a collapsed like, lung." Mind you, I'm not a medical expert, expert by any means. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know that you can't live with a collapsed lung. So, um, but she's like, no, we're gonna do a procedure where we uh, bring it. I don't, I don't know. Inflate, inflate. The lung. I, you know, yes. I was about to say bring it back to life. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're gonna do a procedure, and you know that sucked uh, because in the midst of them putting the tube in to inflate my lung, they tapped my rib like boop, and that junk felt like electricity. The lava that it was insane, and um, I'm at that moment. Um, I'm crying out for Jesus to show up right now because I've never experienced anything like that in my life. I'm like, I need you to show up now. Like I was uh, uh, vocally screaming for Jesus to show up. Like I, I need it. I need it because I am dying. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know the, the the doctor she lied um, about the procedure. She said it's you know she said a bunch of stuff or whatever. Um, then it collapsed. Right, we forgive her. Yeah, we forgive her. I don't even know the girl's name, you know. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> it collapses again in the hospital. And uh, 
I was trying to preach the gospel to the next dude that was in my room. He was a pastor. And, uh, but in the midst of me talking to him, I was able to tell, like, he's a pastor because, you know, like this life is just happened. It just happened. It just happened to be his job. He wasn't trying to pass it to people. Um, he wasn't trying to get them to God. Um, and he was, he was an older gentleman. And, um, (laughs) they told my lung collapse again. I immediately was like, Oh, I'm going to die. I'm going to, Oh, my wife's going to be a widow. I had, we just had uh, our son. He was probably only like three, four months. I'm like, my, my son is going to be uh, fatherless. You know, I immediately go into despair instead of relying on Jesus, instead of believing Jesus. And now the dude that I was trying to preach God to is, is like passing me scriptures. And I'm like, wow, humble. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, they transferred me to another hospital. All things work out, right? People are praying for me. You know, We good. We back. <laughs> um, then our oldest son, his his skin, like... He, you know, you know, babies come out, you know, light, and then they gradually, you know, they, their melanin kicks in, you know, and you know, boom. He was dark skinned for like two, three weeks, yeah, and out of nowhere, um, he was. Uh, he got a little rash on his cheeks, mm-hmm. and that which rash was normal. That rash is spread, and then, yeah, in a matter of time, he <laughs> was white. He was pale. He was pale. People was thinking he was Asian. People asked us who baby this is. His skin was peeling off. Literally just like flaking away. We would pick him up uh, uh, in the morning and just be dead skin all over his crib. And uh, we would bring him to doctors and specialists. And it was just like, just eczema. I have eczema and you have eczema. Mm -hmm. It don't do that. Had. Oh, had. Had. Past tense. Amen. Um, (laughs) But it don't, it doesn't do that. Right. As far as we're concerned, not that we're eczema experts, we just had it. And uh, we never got an answer. Uh, we tried different ointments, you know. You was, I, I didn't have TikTok at that time, but you had TikTok, so you was looking up stuff on there. Yeah, listen, I was making breast milk lotion. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was trying everything. And we, and, Soaps. And uh, it was uh, that was a trying time because we had no idea what was happening. Right. You could talk about what you think happened in your testimony, but it was it was crazy, you know. But eventually... Um, really through uh, warfare, he overcame it, and you know we got a light skinned son. Yes. You know? So uh, and his skin is smooth. Or he got his nice smooth baby yes. bottle. You know, <laughs> he just, he, he's now potty trained now. Thank God. Yes. Um, it's a long road, okay. <laughs> um, but uh, he uh he's good now, right? But at that time, I had to rely on um God. We had to rely on God, but I also had to rely on the prayer of the saints. Because mm-hmm. I didn't know what was going on. We didn't know what was going on. It was just sort of like, you know, people was praying and it worked out. Um <sighs> then we got um our teacher, um and this is before um before uh our oldest was born. Um our teacher I don't know. I don't know how to put it but he was no longer himself. Um, we got a message one day that he had to go to the hospital, and we was kind of uh, left in the dark. And it wasn't like we was purposely left in the dark, you know. But um, it was just like we don't know what's going on, so we can't tell you what's going on. Mm-hmm. And we were all confused. And um, for a while, we we didn't have a teacher, right? And obviously, it wasn't. It was. It was so much deeper than not having a teacher. It's like I'm concerned for his well being. Like, am I going to, am I going to lose, the, am I going to lose him, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm like, yeah. Lord, he did so much. Yeah, yeah. I remember he called me once, because getting, getting a hold of him, trying to get him on the phone was tough. But one time he called me, 
And this was early and, you know, whatever was happening was happening. And uh, I felt like it was going to be our last phone call ever. Mm. And I'm sitting there, I hung up the phone, and I'm crying, you know. And uh, I couldn't, I, I didn't know what to do with myself. But thankfully, the people in the body came. Um, we were, at the time, temporarily reassigned um, to new teachers, and they took care of us. And they have taken care of us so well. And they still do. They still taking care of us. We just had some good food at their house. That, <laughs> I'm Listen. Thank you for your ministry. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, that was tough because it's just like, um, I can't speak on your behalf. But for me, it's just like, this is like, one, he was like my spiritual father. It's just like, what am I supposed to do, right? I have an earthly father who was phenomenal, right? I, I, I wanted to be just like my dad. I'm named after him, Um I thought I was going to play college basketball just like him. I got dressed up as him. I wore his college basketball stuff for Halloween um, because in my head, he was and still is the man, right? Um, we were at a, a Sweet 16 a couple weeks ago, and I kept going to my dad. You're like, you just want to sit next to him. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just like, no, nah, it's cool. He's like, baby, you want to sit next to him. I'm like, yeah, I guess you're right. You know, I just always want to be, whenever my dad's around, I just want to be up under him, right? Yeah. That's, that's, that's my dad. That's my boy. And um, so if I feel this way about my earthly father, um, you can only imagine how I feel about my spiritual father who preached me the gospel, who, who Jesus, uh, uh, um, who presented Jesus to me, right? And uh, he was just, it was rough, man. And uh, he's better now. Yeah, yes. Shout out to you. You better, you know. Happy belated birthday. You know, we had a good time there too. And um you know, so we had that. We had to deal with, um, for a, a season, you know, losing him. Mm-hmm. And we were still well taken care of, but it's just like, I would, I, I had no problem calling him two, three times a day just to kick it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we had to go through uh, a measure of like just figuring stuff out, but we were well taken care of by the body of Christ, um, by our now, by, by our teachers now. And uh, it's been great. But that was rough, right? And uh, now to last week, I'm not forgetting anything. Am I? I'm forgetting anything. Probably, but <laughs> <laughs> um, we fast forward. We got kicked out. When we, when oh we, yeah. Where, when we, I'm not going to touch on that too much. Okay. But <laughs> when we uh, when we got married, we were living with a, your family member for a period of time, and uh, things weren't right. Um. I can honestly say we didn't do anything to offend. We didn't do anything um, offensive. Like I think it was in our estimation. In our estimations, yes. What I will say is that things went missing, and we obviously can't prove anything, but it was strange, right? Mm-hmm. We leave it there. Um, but we got kicked out when we addressed those things. And um, it was like, dang, we about to be homeless. And my idea was just like, hey, your father lives in Minneapolis. I'm going to pack up our little four-door car, and we're going to drive to Minnesota. You yeah, know? That whole 24-hour drive. Mm-hmm. I didn't even tell her that we was going to do that. I just knew that I was going to allow her to be homeless because her dad was always just like, you know, you always got, he has a second house. You always got a place here. Um, and I'm like, hey, I don't want to be away from the body of Christ, but I'm also like, I'm not going to allow my wife to be homeless. Mm-hmm. So we told our pastors, and our pastors set us up with, who ended up years later becoming our teachers, right? Um, but 
they just took care of us. And it was stupid of us to be like, for the next six to nine months we were living with them, like, hey, let's just stay out the way. Because, you know, they opened up their door to us and we don't want to be in their way. When they wanted us to be around. Yeah. It was so stupid. I, I wish i smack myself if I go back in time. <laughs> um, but uh, fast forward to last week. And our oldest son, he's playing with his friend. We're having dinner. I hear a slam. I hear our oldest son whimper. So I go check on him. And uh, he's like, his eyes are like shut like this. And I'm like, open your eyes. I'm like, you know, I thought he like hit his head and he was just trying to clear his vision, but he wouldn't open his eyes. I go to pick him up and his eyes roll back. And I'm like, no, no. So I go tell everybody, um, you know, set off the panic alarm, and uh, I go in the bathroom. I'm trying to put water on his face, and uh, his eyes are still rolling back, and I'm losing it. I am losing it, and um, I don't even put on his shoes. I'm holding them. Uh, I was about to leave you. Like <laughs> she was trying to uh, pack up uh, our uh, our second son, yeah, um, and our youngest son, get him, get us up out of here. Get us up out of there so we can go to the hospital. But all I saw was like, I need the I need to fix this. I need to figure out how I'm gonna get get him back to normal. Um, so he would come back into what I thought was consciousness, and then he would go back to his eyes rolling back. I didn't put his shoes on. I didn't put my coat on. I grabbed the keys. Um, we left our youngest with our friends, and we like we going to the hospital. Hospital was only up the street, three blocks if that. Um, we go to the hospital, and in a car, he's his. It's still happening. So now I'm praying. You're praying. Um, I'm like, son, stop, wake up, you know. And um, that was probably the first time I ever laughed about this. Now. Um, because I'm, yeah, I'm happy you could laugh about yeah. it. Um, we get to the hospital, and as we're walking in from the car to the emergency room lobby, he's not doing it. As soon as we get into the emergency room lobby, I'm talking to security guard. I'm telling him what happened, trying to. And then his eyes roll back again. He's like, oh, I see what's going on. Let's get you. I keep burping. What's going on here? Is it the Celsius? The Celsius? Yeah. <laughs> golly, you know. Um, so, uh, you know, we get, they eventually put us in a, a bed, but it's in the hallway. They're like, a room is going to open up. We sit in there for like 30 minutes. You go and it's like, hey, has a room opened up? There's like, oh, yeah, yeah, it, it opened up. It's like, why didn't you tell us you just had to sit in here with Literally. a two-year-old who we thought at the time was losing consciousness? We get inside the, the room and it stops happening. His eyes. He was normal. He was normal. He, he was laughing, laughing. He's singing. I'm watching like, TV. I'm like, what in the world? Counting. So in my head, I'm thinking like, you know, he got a concussion from the iPad that they had, um, but he's coming back to, to normal. So I go out. Um, I go out the, uh, I go to the emergency room lobby. Oh, well, before that, uh, before that, we, uh, golly, man, you, you, <laughs> you scare yourself when your alarm go off. Oh, <laughs> um, uh, you know, so, um, you act, we hadn't spoken to anybody and this is now going on like 45 minutes to an hour mm -hmm. outside of the security guard and the people who checked his vitals. We had not spoken to anybody. Yeah. So, um, beside the person like to say like the, the, the room has opened up. So you say, um, you go to the charge nurse like, hey, who's the nurse that we're supposed to see? And apparently the nurse tells you 
the charger tells you who the nurse is, and you said the nurse was avoiding eye contact with you and just ignoring yeah. us the whole time. She was avoiding eye contact. And honestly, I'm going to say this, right? So I we don't know anything for sure. Mm-hmm. But what I believe was happening, because we're in at this point in time, we believe that our son is having some brain injury yeah, concussion situation. Thing. So, of course, we're praying and at one point, I had even put on a worship song, and I, it was real, real low on my phone. Like I wasn't disturbing anyone or anything like that, but I was singing to him while the song was playing. And um, you know, it's very obvious that we're praying and all these things. And the nurse walked past us like three, four different times. Mm-hmm. And every time I would see her walk past, she would avoid eye contact. Like when I would look at her, she would catch my eye and then look away as soon as, like, as quickly as she could. So she's like, you know, moving around. I see her at the desk. I see her like she's just lollygagging around. Like this ER is not it's not busy. It's not busy at all. Like, and granted, like I've worked in hospitals, so I know that even when it looks like a nurse isn't busy most most of the time they are right Mm -hmm. like if you see a nurse sitting at her computer charting it's important for her to chart and put the stuff into the computer so it looks to to us on the outside like they're not doing anything but i know like you know so but this nurse even with all my experience working in hospitals she was not busy she was not too busy to like come up to us at least to say did not hello i'm gonna be your nurse like none of that happened So, um, at this point, you, you know, you, uh, you say something and no, no, you didn't say anything. You just tell me that the nurse, so now I'm watching the nurse. So like 20 more minutes go by. And at that point I'm like, it was eight o'clock. I say, if we don't speak to somebody by eight 30, we are out of here. And you're like, babe, you know, it's just gonna be the same way somewhere else. And I'm like, Nah, man, I don't, I don't know. It's whatever, for whatever reason, this feels like it's racially motivated. I'm taking my son. He's two. Like, have, have a way you feel about a people. What, I'm just saying if this was the case, right? I, I'm, I'm assuming, right? However you may feel about a people, this is a two-year-old. And you it know? shouldn't impact your care, even right. if it was that actual person that mm-hmm. you have something against, right? Like... If you take on a job where you're supposed to be caring for people, you're supposed yeah. to be caring for all people. Correct. Like, do your job at yeah. the very least. Like, I don't need you to go the extra mile, but help do your duty. Help like. me. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, no nurse comes. Nurse never came. Yeah, we never spoke we never to spoke her. To she never came. So, so mountainside, do yeah. better. I left him a review. I'm gonna follow up with that review because they uh, responded back. But, um. Uh, eventually, I go to the charge nurse, and I'm like, hey, my son, because, again, we thought he was going unconscious. My son is dealing with going unconscious. He's two years old. Is there anybody that we can speak to? She's like, you know, we're really busy, but she kind of snapped at me. And uh, I'm just like, if if he was if he was your two-year-old, what did you want to speak to somebody? And she's like, well, we're doing the best, best we can. I'm like, okay. So at this point, now I'm upset. Um, but I didn't vocally say it, but I, you can tell by my disposition, I'm upset. So, um, no, it's still fine. I didn't say his name. It doesn't, I'm sure you say his name in the podcast, but anyway, um, his godparents come to the lobby. You go speak to him. No, it's fine. So it was me and Noah in the, uh, in the, the room. I go speak to him. Um, I come back and there's a little bit of more chaos in the room and you're like, it happens again. Now, um, we had seen the doctor. The doctor had come. 
I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I missed that. I said if I, again, I said if they, we don't speak thing by eight, by eight thirty, we out of here. The doctor comes at eight twenty eight. Um, you start talking to the doctor because I'm like I don't I don't have much words at this point, right? And uh, I'm like my son is two and y'all y'all don't care. And uh, so the doctor comes back in the midst of all the chaos. And uh, he says, basically, like, we could do a CAT scan, but there's not much that we can do besides that because we're not pediatric. I'm like, so you ask, you know, how long does a CAT scan take? He, well, he said. Yeah, he, he, he was very nonchalant. Like, he just was like, I don't know how long the CAT scan is going to take. Like, I need to go check on that. And he was like, I don't know what's going on here. And he just walked away. He just away. walked away. Just walked away. So at that point, I'm like, nope. I pick up Noah. I said, babe, we're out of here. And as we're walking away, that charge nurse that had beef with me goes, where are you guys going? Yeah. And I. Uh, but wait, when, when, so when you went, when he went out to talk to our children's godparents, I was in the room with Noah. And this is the first time that, like, I, I saw it happen, but this is the first time I saw it happen up close. So what original, what, it started off by him rubbing his eye, he was rubbing his eye. And you, I could see his eyes start, like, Noah's real light. So his eyes started to turn red. And I'm like, what's going on, baby? Is there something in your eye? So I'm like, op- I opened his eye. I blew in it. I'm looking around. I don't see anything. And this is the part where his eyes roll up. They, they, they went up. And the part that made me worry slash begin to panic was when they came back down because they came back down slow. Like, it was so unintentional. So, like, me looking at the situation now, I'm like, was he just trying to clear his eye? Like, was was he doing it on purpose? But when I look back, the way his uh, eyes were moving was, it was so, so unnatural. Yeah, it, it was, was unnatural. Uh, he, he It didn't seem uh, like he was doing it himself. Yeah, so... Yeah. um. We like we're going to go over a couple towns over. It was a couple towns over to the other hospital, and uh, the hospital's in the hood. Yeah, the hospital is in the hood. It did. It did just get a facelift, so it looks great. It did get a facelift. Got a nice facelift. They did a good job. Yeah, they put that money where it need to go to. People Uh, talk bad about this hospital all the time, mm -hmm. and I really don't know why. Because what I. That's why. Okay, because what I will say is, every time I've gone there, they mm-hmm. they always they hit the nail on the head. The okay? problem they is, do is that it's in, it's in the hood and it has a certain uh, uh, stigma. Mm. Um, so <laughs> you drive, I'm holding them in the back. I'm calling um, our teacher. I'm calling our my mom, and I'm I can't finish my words. I'm like, I'll go back. I don't know. And, yeah, uh, your mom is like, what happened? Uh, Martin, what? Uh, I was, uh, you know, that's, you know, I know, you know, obviously that's our son. Um, and both, they're both our sons, but those are like my boys, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it's going to be different when you have a girl. When we have a girl, probably not. She'll, she'll probably be my girl, but it's like, <laughs> um, like, like, I have aspirations for them, right? I want them to do well. I want them to serve Christ. I want them to bring their mother honor. So it's like, I'm on top of them, right? And <laughs> I may do it like, "Hey, clean this up," you know, type of thing, right? But it's 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 I, I love them so much, and um, like you're gonna make I I'm gonna do everything in my power to make sure that they do their very best to honor you. They do their very best to when they when they are old enough and uh, old enough to be married to um uh, honor their wife, right? Um, like. Be better than me in every aspect, right? 
Um, and they're two and one, and I'd be like, oh, do this. And it's like, yeah, what is that? Um, and I'm, I'm trying, I'm still getting better at that. Um, you know, and it's just really just patience and less frustration. Um, but like, you're driving and, you know, you're not good with seeing at nighttime. And I wasn't even considering that. I'm just like, drive faster. I didn't, I didn't say that in the moment. But I'm like, I can't see at night and I didn't know where I was going. You didn't know where you was going. She's not good with directions, yo. I didn't, I didn't like vocally or even think like she needs to drive fast. It was just like, it's it's not fast enough. Like my son, he's he's now, and now the eye rolling is happening for a longer period of time. Not only that, but it's, it's, uh, uh, more frequent it's way more frequent i'm just like oh my son i'm like noah please wake up please i'm pleading i am praying more fervently than i ever prayed in my life like yeah. oh my goodness um i would love to see what it looks like in the spiritual realm with those prayers because i was going for it um but we uh you, you uh drop us off you go park the car i rush in there and uh immediately we were met with help we were met with help immediately um uh, yeah, when I when I so I went to park the car. When I came into the hospital, the security guy he was he was like, "You're the mom." I was like, "Yes." He takes me straight back to the room. It was like five, six doctors in the room. Yeah, like, we, got, right. we were met with immediate help. It was it was. Oh, I bless those doctors, man. Um, we told him what was happening. I'm trying to talk to Mister Tears, and uh, they're like, "Based upon what you're saying, it sounds like he scratched his eyeball got scratched." And I'm like. That's the best news I've heard in my life. Mm-hmm. That's it. Honestly, my first reaction, I'm like, it's way more serious than that. What are you saying right now? But it, but when we got into the, inside the hospital, um, that hospital, that hospital was really bright. When we walked, mm-hmm. the, the second we walked in, Noah's eyes shut tight and he would not open them. So there wasn't even eye rolling at that mm-hmm. point. He was just he just would not open his eyes. I'm like, son, open your eyes. He wouldn't open his eyes. Um, so they turned off the lights in the room and immediately upon turning off the lights in the room, his eyes began to open. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, Oh, they right. They could be right. Yeah. Um. Woo. So you know they do what they gotta do. They they uh they numb his eye. They you know put some dye on it to see if his eyes actually scratch scratch which it is. And uh, what I do remember you saying at the first hospital as we're getting checked in is like, hey babe, have faith. And this was this was different than how I felt about Noah's skin, but especially how I felt about the collapsed lung because when my lung collapsed, I didn't even consider God in that moment. Um versus um Noah's eyes just like I have faith that that it's gonna be done. I'm just terrified because I don't want to see my son in this way. Mm-hmm. Um so in one in one instance I didn't consider God to have faith. And then the other one I definitely consider God that whatever he's gonna do, he's gonna do it because not only are we praying, but the people of God are praying. Um it's just like I I am traumatized by the fact that this is happening. Right. Yeah. Um so I wasn't like crying because you know, I didn't have faith. I was crying because I, I don't want to see my boy like this. You know, for, for me, it was, I guess, kind of the same. So, like, when your lung collapsed and, like, everything that was going on with Noah, honestly, so when, when Noah started going through what he was going through, I don't even think I prayed. Like, it took mm-hmm. me a long time to get to the point where it was like, I need to pray about this. Mm-hmm. Then your lung collapses and... I didn't pray until like day two or day three. And I remember like coming home from the hospital to our empty, quiet apartment. And I was just like, oh, my goodness. Like, what if what if this is my life now? Like, just 
just by myself. Mm-hmm. So I started, I, I began to cry. I think that's the first time it like actually settled in. Like I could lose my husband and I cried. And then it was one of those like, Lord, we, I need your help type of prayer. Like yeah. it wasn't even like an intentional, let me pray to God. It was like, I need you. Mm-hmm. So I, I prayed then <clears throat> And then, but when, when this situation happened with Noah, immediately I'm like, I know what to do. Cause yeah. we have been equipped. Yeah. We have been to praise God for our teachers. Cause we yes. have been equipped. We were walking their house and they were praying fervently. Right. And yeah. I, now it's just like, I know it what to do. It wasn't even like a, it wasn't even like a thought. No, like, it was just like, do it. Happened, it was boom. like, boom, pray. Right. Like somebody rolling your house, you got a gun, shoot them. Like, <laughs> like that's how, that's how, it, that's yeah. how it came from, you know? So I, second I started praying and Immediately, I heard from God, and I knew that he was going to be okay. Well, you could have shared that with what, me. The, what happened, though, this is... It's this the first is, time I'm hearing this, people. This is, this is why America, I say, this is why I say it's y'all kind of the same, because I immediately knew he was going to be okay. I felt it in my soul. Like, I felt it. What happened... Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> what was happening was immediately in the... Like, when we were still in the apartment, everyone was panicking. Mm. And everyone is yelling and shouting, is he breathing? Is he okay? What happened? What happened? And it's like seeing the reaction from everyone else. It's like, I have a surety, but y'all are, <laughs> are flipping out. And it's kind of making me think like, am I being too lax? No, you should have you you walked in there like, boom, God is going to do it. Listen, no, because I, I honestly was doubting myself and I, I guess... You know, consequently, I'm doubting God because I know that I have the ability to be nonchalant and Mm. not really deal with emotions and kind of write things off. So I'm like, am I being too lax? Like, is it me? Mm. So I'm like, maybe I should be panicking. Maybe I should feel something. Right. So that happens. And then I'm like, no, because God. So I, I continue to pray. I continue to pray, and then we get to the first hospital. They're doing what they're doing. We decide to go to the second hospital. Remember, in the car, so at this point, it's like 10 o'clock. Our sons go to bed at 7 p.m., yes. so our son is tired, mm-hmm. and he's, like, trying to fall asleep yeah. in the back of the car. <laughs> and I don't think he's falling asleep. I think he's, yeah. tra- he's trying to go out. Right. So we think, you know, he has a concussion or something. He can't go to sleep, so you're mm-hmm. in the back seat, telling, like, yelling, like, Son, don't go to sleep, son. Don't go to sleep, son. Noah, wake up, wake up. And the the way that you were screaming was literally like, I'm like driving the car and I'm like, is my son going to die? Mm-hmm. Like, they, this is my son. I'm like, is my son going to, going to die? Yeah. So then the, the fear and the panic began to set in and I'm like, oh my goodness. But then again, when we got to the second hospital and I walked in the room, I said, God, you said it, you said it. And immediately the peace came again. So... It's like, you know, just realizing now that I'm quicker to react. I'm quicker to even recognize the voice of God in these situations. But, um, yeah, there's definitely some more growth to happen there. Considering all of the stuff that uh, we have been through, it's just like, is God preparing us to go through something that's going to be very harsh and we need to be prepared for it? Like, and it's like, you know, if you say so, God, but like, if you can take this cup from me. I feel like yeah, that's are. exactly what it is. I feel like our she faith agreed is... All, man. She agreed. I do. Yeah, I mean, it sucks. Like, I don't want to go through anything, but I, I know, I, I truly do feel like God is preparing us for something. Yeah. Either, either he's preparing us for something or 
the enemy just has some serious plans to distract us from something. Yeah. So either God is preparing us or the enemy is working hard against us. Either yeah. way, we're going to pray. We're going to see this thing through. Amen. Amen. Yeah. All right. So we walk through childhood. We walk through, you know, how you encountered and experienced God and even, you know, how the growth has come mm-hmm. today. What advice would you have for someone who has a similar testimony, even when it comes to, you know, the pride and the arrogance that you once dealt with? How what what do you have to say to a person like that when it comes to holding on to Christ, you know, really cultivating that relationship with him? So am I speaking to the person that's not saved? I'm speaking to the person that just got saved. Either or. To the person that's not saved and that is dealing with um, arrogance, pride, and the the needing to seek validation, um, I would say be real with yourself and self-examine. Self-examine and realize you're not enough very quickly. If I was able to go to my 17-year-old self, 16, 15-year-old self, and just be like, whatever you're going to do, you have it wrong, Find somebody that knows God, because you're not going to do it by yourself. Mm-hmm. Search for somebody that find that that knows God. Search for God and believe that He's going to lead you to a person. Um, that's what I would tell them. But you're the way your life is going. You're not going to get what you think you're going to get. Because in my head, when I consider sneakers, I thought I was going to have like a a sneaker closet. I was going to walk and be wall to wall sneakers. Right? That's not going to do it. And that's but that's what I that's what I thought I wanted. Um, when we got married, I had you know towers and towers of sneakers, right? Um, but that's not what I. That's what not. That's not what's gonna do it, right? So that's what I would say to an unsaved person dealing with that. What I would say to a newly saved person coming out of that is be obedient. Um, believe the people, and be more around the people, right? Because I was once I got saved. Well, not once I said I got saved because I was just hanging around with Alex. But once I got, up, once I became a part of a body of Christ, I'm just like, Alex cool. The person that I came in with, Luther's cool. Ty's cool. You know, Ty like a big sister, right? We only like a year or two apart. Um, but they cool. You know, everybody else, you know, just because of I was still dealing with arrogance and pride and um, uh, self-preservation too, right? Um, you think when you, when you well, I don't know about you, but when you first get saved, like, oh, God going to figure it all out. No, God's going to use his... God can, right? Mm-hmm. God can figure it all out. But a lot of times it's going to come through his people. And I was self, self-preserving, self not wanting people to see my faults or see that I didn't have it. It's, it's very easy to see that I didn't have it all together, yeah. right? Shoot, my car was beat up by the time we I got there. We always think we hiding something. Hiding right? the obvious. Hiding the obvious. And people are going to... Uh, people people see it and they're still going to love you. At least the people that we know. Yeah. Um. So... uh. You know, don't be self-preserving, uh, right? Just be open, be around, just be, and watch your life transform. Um, it's up to you know everything. I don't know nothing. Um, and be quiet. <laughs> be quiet. I talk a lot, you know. But, um, yeah, that's, that's what I would say. Okay. Who do you know God to be? I know God to be a provider. Um, when... Uh, we got married. I was working two jobs. 
And I, I'm going to speak about the monetary value, and then I'll, I'll go on to other areas. But as it relates to monetary value, I was working two jobs. I was working at a school and working at a swim school. Um, and uh, we was broke, y'all. Listen. She had mad uh, debt. Bills high. Bills high. She wasn't working at the time. Just not. We didn't, we didn't go into our marriage with uh, the best financial situation. No. And in all honesty, um, it probably we were going to get married, but it probably would have made sense to wait till we could stack up more money because you were in Minnesota with your dad. I'm like, nah, you got to come back. We got to get married, right? Yeah. Just not smart. Um, so we could have went it better. We could have went into it with a better better financial footing. Um, but God still provided. A gentleman um, uh, comes in. Shout out to you, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, he came in and he's like, for whatever reason, he's like, hey, I didn't know him from a can of paint. First time meeting him, like, hey, I'm gonna get you a job. I'm gonna get you a job in the car business. And originally, I was supposed to be a mechanic. That was because um, I used to fix uh, my Mustang mirror. My Mustang was cool when I first got it, but over time it got beat up. Um, so I used to fix, you know, little stuff here and there. And uh, uh, Alex had told him that. He's like, I'm going to get you a job as a mechanic. All right? I didn't know how to change oil. I Kenny. Did. Shout out to you, Kenny Shout G. Shout out to Kenny. Kenny Listen. G. Um, Kenny changed our lives. Yes, he did. Um, <laughs> and uh, he comes into the community. He looks at me and says, I'm going to get you a job. The very first time me, me meeting him. Amen. I'm going to get you a career is what he said. Um, and uh, we go. I go on the interview. The, the person, the service manager, likes me. He says, yep. Okay. He says, yeah, we, you know, we're going to interview you. Um, and I do well in the interview. Two weeks later, he calls me back. like, I'm going to make you a service advisor. I don't know what that means. <laughs> and my, we just, we, we I, I get that call. And we are screaming in the middle of Jersey City, praising God, because we are so happy. <laughs> um, and uh, my salary was like quadrupled in that instance. Yeah. And uh, so I know him in that way as a, a, a provider monetarily. And I also know him to be a provider with his people. He gave me and then later you, Alex. He gave us his people. He gave us the Francois. He gave us so so many more people who have a direct effect on our lives, on our yeah. boys' lives. Um, so I, I know him in that way. Amen. Amen. That's that. No, it's not. It's not. I got something to say. Oh, okay. Well, you say what you gotta say. I gotta go to the bathroom. Okay, go go for it. Go for it. So this camera on me? No, nah, I'm playing. <laughs> um, what I would like to say is, you know, for the people who are still in the church system, for the people who know that this system isn't um, profitable in uh, a spiritual, in their spiritual life, in their spiritual walk, um, it is, uh, it's, uh, the people who can acknowledge, right? Seriously self-examine and acknowledge like this this is this this is dead, right? Um if you are experiencing that, um if you know the church system to not for you to not know spiritual growth, um I would just like to say Jesus did not die for us to sit in pews. Um Jesus did not die for us to um Stand up at the end of the sermon when the pastor's getting riled up to say, you go ahead and you preach, pastor. Jesus died for so much more than that, right? Um, Jesus died for our life to be transformed. Um, the church system is not a form of entertainment. There are uh, uh, other religions in the world, um, when they're worshiping God, not only giving their all, but it's it's respectful. It's not a concert, right? Um, and if they're doing that, 
for their false gods, how much more for the true God? So I just want to say that because I know a fair amount of people who are just doing their very best to be a part of the church system, and they think that that's all that it is. And it's not. You don't see that in Acts. You don't see that in letters of Paul. You don't see the church system that we know to, to be, um, as we know to be the church in the Bible. It has unfortunately become entertainment. It has fortunately become a place to feel good when you leave on Sunday at 2, and it's tradition. It's, um, for the most part, it's vain tradition, and God desires so much more. Um, so I just wanted to say that because I don't want anybody to face God, um, whether they know churched or don't and be like, you could have done more or why didn't you do more? Why don't you know me? Right. And for God to say, I never knew you is crazy when you have been in a church system for years and haven't done anything with that besides it be a tradition. Right. And I know people are doing their very best, but God desired more. And I'm not saying this is the place you need to be. What I'm saying is. God desire more, so you should do more. You do more for, for sports. You do more for family. How much more for God? So um, if that is your testimony, if your testimony is um, sit in the pew every Sunday, and I'm only speaking to that because I can relate to it because that's how I grew up. Um, if that is your testimony, I would, I would um, uh, ask that you truly self-examine and say, hey, there is something else that I can do. It doesn't have to be here. Could it be here? Fantastic. You know, come on in. Um, but self-evaluate because God desires so much more. Jesus, his death, his crucifixion was his resurrection. But when I consider Jesus' death and I consider uh, the thorns, I consider the cat of nine tails, it wasn't just to sit in pews. It wasn't just to stand up and point and, you know, us have entertainment value. We have entertainment in sports. We got entertainment directly on our phones immediately. Jesus had to die for so much more than that. So that's all I would like to say. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Lily Podcast. For a while, I have been wanting to put out a call to salvation. And the call to salvation begins with the gospel. The gospel says that God became man in Jesus Christ, that Jesus lived a perfect and sinless life, the life that we were all supposed to live, and he died the death that we are all deserving of due to our sin. Three days later, he rose again, proving that he is the Son of God, offering the gift of salvation and forgiveness of sins to all those who would repent and believe in him. If you have not answered the call to salvation and you want to answer the call to salvation, please fill out the form below and let's see if I can get you connected with disciples in your local area so that you can get started on your journey with Christ. If you have answered that call to salvation but you haven't been activated in the Great Commission, you can use that same form below and I can get you connected with disciples in your local area that can show you how to get activated and get involved in the work that God left us here to do. The Great Commission says, Go therefore, preaching the gospel, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey the things that God has commanded us. As Christians, we have a work here on this earth. So if you haven't been activated, use that form below and let's get you 
Once again, I'm so grateful and I really do appreciate your support. Thank you for tuning in and meet us back here next week because we will be dropping a new episode every Friday. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your support.